Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today I am so blessed to have Charles Reed. He is the CEO at Get Payroll, as well as a certified public accountant CPA. Charles, how are you doing today? Christopher, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being on. There's so many things that I want to unpack with you in regards to the payroll, in regards to your book that's coming out, and even uh, the fact that you are a a vet from the Vietnam War, which is something that I want to unpack. But before doing so, let's take a step back. Can you please tell us a bit more of who you are, what your company does, and so on? I'm a Midwestern boy. Um, Grew up in Iowa. Uh, After high school, I joined the United States Marine Corps, spent four years in service, when I came back from overseas, I met and married my wife. She uh, was 10 years older than I am uh, and had five children when I married her. Uh, I claim insanity, but we were married for 45 years before she passed. Uh, got out of service and found that the business did not realize what I brought to the table as a Marine veteran. So they didn't then, they don't now because they, they haven't been in the military, they don't understand. So I went to college, got my MBA, my BBA, my MBA, sat for and passed my CPA exam, went to work for large business, uh, spent 15 years in the corporate world, large, small turnarounds and so on. Lots of great experience. Realized I was never going to run a company because I didn't have the political skills. I was unwilling to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. So uh, Ruth and I started our own business some 30 years ago, and uh, we're I'm still here. Ruth passed away seven years ago. So So, first and foremost, my condolences for your wife. Uh, Second of all, there's a lot of things that I want to unpack in what you just said. And even diving into, before even going into the aspect of your business, you highlighted something and I really want to know your two cents on it. So you said that you didn't have the ideology of essentially going up the corporate ladder, stab people in the back is the word that you use and so on. And you started your own business. Can you unpack that? Do you believe that everybody that owns a business, that starts a business, that grows within the business has to have that, let's call it stabbing in the back ideology to succeed in business? And what was your experience with that? Absolutely not. I think that is counterproductive, but I have criticized corporate management in the United States for at least 50 years. I think most corporate management is terrible. Okay. Also, and self self serving, uh, egotistical, uh, and uh, they tend to think they're the smartest person in the room, particularly family owned businesses, and they don't understand who they have working for them and what value they have, and they don't take care of their employees, and in many cases they don't take care of their clients. So I've seen numerous businesses go bankrupt because of ego, and I've seen others destroyed. So. I grew up in a family business. I watched my father be very successful. 
And so I wanted to do the same thing. But I believe in customer service. I believe in taking care of my employees. The Marine Corps teaches mission, men, self. You accomplish the mission, whatever it takes. You get the job done. Then you take care of your men. Then you take care of yourself. So in business, it's get the work done, get the payroll out, get the taxes filed, whatever it is. Then you take care of your clients and you take care of your employees. Then you worry about yourself. Uh, Ego has destroyed more businesses in this country than I can possibly conceive of. Uh, If I ever write the book, it's going to be Park Your Ego at the Door. Uh, It was going to be the name of the title of the book on business. So I I love that. I love that you highlighted that because it's truly my belief as well. Like I'm full on a capitalist. I'm an entrepreneur. I believe in, you know, work, make money, but I do believe that we're lacking capitalism with empathy. What do I mean by that is companies that are out there and they're not hurting the planet. They're not hurting other people and they're not doing things maliciously to get the end bottom line financially higher. If everybody approaches capitalism with more empathy, a bit like you're explaining, 100%, I feel like as a society, we'll go forward with more joy, love, respect, empathy, and all that fun stuff. And if you go at it, one of my main pillars for me within my coaching ideology is first and foremost, you have to bring massive value, then massive impact, then you'll create the massive income, which is, I think, very similar to what you were saying of like, hey, take care of the mission, take care of your team, then you take care of yourself. So I love that ideology. And how do you go about you? doing that within your business, particularly with uh, Get Payroll? Well, there's, there's a few things. For instance, one of the things, you know, we wrote an employee manual years ago, and we use standard, standard phrases and standard uh, things, but we've changed it over the years. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe in flip-flops as footwear, but the dress code has evolved into you must, hmm. Okay. You can't come in naked. You got to wear something. Uh, bereavement policy. My bereavement policy for my employees is very simple. You take the time you need. If that's three days, fine. If that's three weeks, fine. Why would I take a valued employee who I've invested years of getting trained and up to speed and castigate them over a personal tragedy that they needed more time to solve than the standard three days. That's just crazy. That's insane to treat people that way. They're, they're way too valuable. I can't do all the work. I have to have a staff, okay? You hire dependable, reasonable people. You avoid jerks, uh, in, in Warren Buffett's words, wherever possible, and they stick around. Our turnover in our staff is almost non-existent. Our loss ratio in our clients is substantially below our competitors, okay? We don't lose clients, uh, death, bankruptcy, of course, but they don't go to our competitors because we treat them too well. We bend over backwards for our employees and for our clients to our own detriment at times. But loyal clients are far more important than happy clients because a loyal client you can screw up and they won't go away. Okay. They may not be happy, but they're loyal. And you build that loyalty over time. You build it with your clients, you build it with your employees. And it's a matter of, you got to care about them. 
George Washington Crane, who used to post a column, my parents cut it out and sent all us kids wherever we were at in the world, used to say that if you look at somebody and you realize that effectively tattooed on their chest is the words, the phrase, I am important. And if you treat them like that, they'll respond incredibly well. So they are important. They're important to them. They're important to their families. They should be important to you or you shouldn't have hired them. They should be important to you as a client or you shouldn't have taken them on. So treat them that way and they will respond very favorably. So that's, that's some of the basics of how we go about business. I Compassion, empathy, loyalty, uh, and, and be reasonable. Um, you know, any policy that has this absolute is wrong. Uh, it just is. You, you can't, there's no, well, there's a couple, but I mean, you know, you can't come in and shoot the boss. That's not acceptable. But <laughs> other than that, you know, uh, you've, you've got to work with people. Uh, you've got to work with clients. You've got to be understanding. Uh, that's, I'm sorry. It's just, it's common sense to me. So I love that aspect. And I love the fact that you're saying it's common sense, but sometimes common sense is not very common. It just comes down to the old adage of uh, understanding, hey, you take care of people the way that you would like to get take care of. And if you do that, then everything is kind of going to go in a proper direction in that regard. So I love the fact that you have that ideology and that's the way you build and approach your business. Now let's talk about get payrolled here. So what do you guys do on a daily basis? Do you work with high end like companies to do their payroll? How did you uh, develop that? Cause I do know that you like mentioned in the beginning of the show that you have a, a CPA background. Why did you get into the payroll uh, aspect of the world? Well, I'd started, uh, I, I was COO for, Financial Express, which was a mobile accounting service. And the board was after the company to sell the uh, office, the original office, because they were spending too much time managing it. So I bought it. A year later, the franchisee went belly up. And so I just kept, or the franchisor went belly up. So I just changed the name and kept going. And it had an integral payroll service for our accounting clients. Well, I enjoyed the payroll and it was an easier sell that then led to accounting. So we grew the business with that. And then about 10 years ago, I sold the accounting practice off to my partner and just kept the payroll. And we've been growing that ever since. I like payroll. I got tired of doing taxes, um, but I, I like payroll. Fighting the IRS is a game and that's fun. So it's just a good match for my personality and my style. I like business to business as opposed to business to consumer. I don't really like doing personal taxes. Um, so it's, it's all business and it's, I enjoy it. I I'm 72 and I enjoy coming into work every day. So my, my staff says, when are you going to retire? And I say, one of these days you're going to come in and find me dead at my desk. I've retired. <laughs> I, I love that, that, that approach and it shows that you're a real entrepreneur, because if you truly love what you're doing, you're going to do it until you die. Because I would see it as if you're staying home doing nothing, that's what's actually going to kill you. So the fact that you're there and granted there are seasons in life, you're probably going to be diminishing the quantity of work. You're probably going to be already preparing the next person up uh, that's going Absolutely. to come up. But yeah, I love that I, approach. I, I, I don't, I don't work the 80 hours a week I did when I started. Yes. I'll be very honest. Yeah, it's impossible. I don't work that hard anymore, Yeah, but I still come in five days a week and enjoy it and uh, am involved in it. Uh, on a daily basis, and I've got a great staff. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, if I take a if I take a week and, and go play at the WSOP, everything runs just fine. 
That makes sense. Oh. That makes sense. <laughs> so Charles, my next question for you is that I do know that you have uh, recently launched a new book, which is called actually uh, the payroll book. Can you please tell us about, uh, about that book? What do we learn from it? And what is it teaching us as entrepreneurs that are maybe starting off with new employees, getting into the payroll world? What is the whole aspect of the book going to teach new entrepreneurs? Exactly. It's the payroll book, a guide for small businesses and startups. It's designed to teach a, a businessman, an entrepreneur, a startup, what they need to know about payroll. I found as a professional in the field, there were no good reference books that were reasonably priced. The only real reference book is the payroll source from the APA and it's $600. Um, it's going to be a hard, hard road for a lot of small businesses or entrepreneurs just to go out and buy a $600 reference book, mm-hmm. particularly when they think they know what they know. So it goes through lots of things. It goes through the chapter one is entity selection because that determines a great deal of what your payroll is going to be. And then who's an employee? Uh, what's the deduction? What's our taxes, uh, deposits, filings, all those things that go into the uh, legal aspects and critical portions of the payroll. The second portion is how to run a payroll, how to calculate it. What's overtime? How to calculate it? What's pre-tax? What's post-tax? How to get from gross pay to net pay? Um, Chinese overtime, um, blended overtime, on and on and on. The third portion of the book is all the ancillary things. Record keeping. Who, what do you have to keep and for whom? Um, aliens, legal and illegal. Uh, PEOs, S-cheat, workers' compensation, internal controls, all these kinds of things that you need to be aware of. And the book serves one additional purpose. It's a cure for insomnia. How so? Keep it on your bedside. And when you can't sleep, you pick it up to read it. And you're going to fall asleep right away. (laughs) Actually, some people, once they start reading, they stay awake. But no, I'm sure that it's uh, it's definitely something interesting. And you have to be obviously intrigued in the payroll world to to read it and so on. But everything that you're saying makes perfect sense, especially for when you're starting off as an entrepreneur. You have to figure out how to pay people, what's the right moment to pay, how it's doing it, what the tax purposes, and so on and so forth. There's so much that goes into being an entrepreneur, especially when you start hiring and delegating work and so on. So that makes perfect sense. 70% of all businesses in this country misclassify employees according to the U.S. Labor Department. How do they, misclass- how do they misclassify them? How's that? Either independent contractor versus employee mm. or subject to overtime, not subject to overtime. Okay, those two classifications the majority of businesses screw up. The majority, not 10%, 70% misclassify employees. And it can be very expensive if you get audited and they find it. So you can't, when you're an entrepreneur, you just can't pay people under the table. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to hire them as a contractor. There's a whole body of law that determines whether that person in that position, as it's structured, is an employee or a contractor. You don't get to choose, and neither do they. If they say to you, well, just pay me as a 1099, no, I either can or I can't. And that mistake has cost lots of people lots of money. So that kind of thing, and then overtime versus uh, non-overtime, when the state unemployment people come in and audit you, if you're not doing it right, 
they're going to make you pay what you should have paid to these people, pay the taxes on it. And if you're not nice to them, they'll turn you into the IRS and the labor department as well. Yeah. And you'll start all over again. So you've got to know what you're doing. And if you, the analogy I use is simple. When I grew up, Pele was the, the world's best soccer player, maybe all time. Okay. But if you put him in a New York Yankee uniform at second base, he's lost. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know the game. He doesn't know the equipment. Picking up a ball with your hand and throwing it, you know, that, that, that's just, no, you don't do that. Still a great athlete. So if you take an entrepreneur, a businessman, a chef, a dog groomer, a manufacturer, a restaurateur, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever, and say, go deal with the IRS. They know their business. They're successful at it. They do it well. Going to the IRS and fighting those, and the IRS makes millions of mistakes. So, no, they can't do it. They don't know how to do it. Uh, you don't go to court without a lawyer. You shouldn't go to the IRS without an expert either. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That that ideology that you could do everything by yourself, especially as an entrepreneur, I don't stand by it because I believe that everybody has their expertise. And once you stay within that expertise and you hire out other expertise, then you will succeed. With that analogy that you gave with Pele, uh, for, for our younger listeners, let's bring it back. Pele would be the equivalent to Cristiano Ronaldo nowadays. So we're talking about soccer over here. Pele was one of the greatest soccer players uh, back in the day or football if you're European. So yes, you put them in a Yankees uniform playing baseball, they're lost. So the same thing. You have to know what you're good at. Hire the things that you're not good at. Because like you said, you do uh, taxes and uh, IRS stuff every single day and you know the nuances, how to approach it. I wouldn't even know where to start other than trying to find the right person to represent me on that end. So I love that that advice and that uh, aspect behind we it. Had a, we had a client that had a problem. It was a 1099 penalty, uh, W-2 penalty, and it had gotten up to $95,000. And it took us nine years to solve it. But in the end, because I'd been on the IRS Advisory Council, I knew the chief of, of chief counsel of appeals, and I couldn't get the appeals people to call me. So I called her and said, so-and-so won't give me a call back. And she said, Charles, I haven't called you. He called me that afternoon. I'd been trying to get a hold of him for a year. We got it reassigned to a new appeals office. They looked at it. And after nine years, that $95,000 penalty turned into a $400 refund. Let's go. (laughs) We love when it's a swing like that, right? But it took me nine years to accomplish that. Yeah. The IRS does not work fast. (laughs) No, that's 100% sure. And the business, my, my, my client could not have done it. That's where the expertise comes into play. Like you said, maybe it takes you X amount of time, but we're not calculating the years and years that you got that knowledge of, that that's there. So you could do that swing from having to pay a couple of thousand dollars to actually receiving a couple hundred dollars, right? It's, it's a huge swing. Uh, Charles, now, as I know that you're, you've been in the industry for several years now and you have a team and so on and so <laughs> forth, <laughs> don't laugh, I'm being polite here. So <laughs> I was going to offer your bio. So I do know that you do a lot of, things when it comes to leadership and your team. Now, what would be one of the best leadership advices that you could give for a startup entrepreneur? So the same people that come up and you do their payroll, what do you advise them as a seasoned vet in the entrepreneur world to look forward to or to essentially not fall in the same potholes or difficulties that you may have uh, had in the beginning of your career? One of the things I recommend, and I buy the book by the dozen, 
to give out to clients, and it is an absolute must-read for every new employee, is Michael Gerber's The E-Myth Revisited. Let's go. Because it teaches you how to work on your business, not in your business. A friend of mine gave that to me more than 20 years ago, and it literally saved my business. Because I was ready to fire everybody, move it back into the game room, and be a sole entrepreneur, sole practitioner. And I read the book and I said, Charles, you're being really stupid. And here are some things in this book that taught me how to work on my business. And I literally, I buy it by the dozen and give it out to clients every year. I love that. So that's a huge thing. Charles, thank you for bringing that up. The E-Myth by Michael uh, E. Gerber, 100% is a must read. And what he breaks apart, exactly like you said, is the ideology of working in your business towards working on your business. And like most of the small business owners think that they're playing the role of the entrepreneur, but honestly, they're only 10% of the time entrepreneur, 20% of the time they're playing the manager role. And 70% of the time they're actually playing the technician, which is actually doing the work. So that's where you have a mind shift being like, Hey, wait a minute. Should I be delegating this? Should I be playing the role of the manager or should I be the entrepreneur looking at the vision, looking at what the mission is and working towards that. So I love that you mentioned that book is definitely one of my uh, favorites as well. Uh, Charles, now I did say in the beginning that I do wanted to talk about your service as a, uh, as a Vietnam uh, vet and all that experience. Now, I've, knock on wood, never experienced war uh, and you've been in the war and now what's happening around the world as we speak today, unfortunately, there's a war going on with Russia and Ukraine. What was your experience within the Vietnam War and what are certain things that you've learned from it in a positive way? And what's your whole ideology of war? This is a very vast and big question I'm asking you. I wouldn't ask it to anybody. I'm asking you because I do not have often a chance to sit down in front of a a Vietnam vet and have this conversation. So if you permit, what's your ideology with that? First of all, the, the, the quote, which is quite famous and very true, war is hell. I don't recommend it for anyone. And in fact, most professional military abhor the thought of war. They don't want to do it. They're prepared for it. They practice it. They get good at it, but they don't want to experience it either. War is hell. Uh, I spent six months as a, as a combat infantryman in Vietnam, and I was a volunteer, uh, and I volunteered to go to Vietnam. And... I was out in the field one evening, one night, and the enemy opened up with an automatic weapon, and one went past my left ear, not my right ear, my left ear. I I heard it go past my ear, uh, which meant I was about this close to dying. And my response to that was, Charles, what the hell are you doing here? (laughs) War is not good. Uh, It's old men sending young men to die. Uh, and it's a terrible thing, and I hate to see it happening again. Um, the idea of a Christian good war uh, is, is abhorrent. There is no good war. There are necessary wars. There you have to fight people who, you know, want to run your life. You have to fight them. I understand that. But war is hell and, and should be avoided uh, whenever possible. And if you're going to prosecute a war, do it. 
And we failed in Vietnam, we failed in Korea, and we have reaped the rewards of that. If you're gonna fight a war, go win it, period. Uh, do whatever it takes. And in a war, proportionate responses is bull. It needs to be in proportionate response. You need to respond to aggression with overwhelming force at all times. And it's just like if you get into a, a personal fight, you want to knock the guy down and kick the shit out of him and stomp on his face. And every time he looks at himself in the mirror in the morning, he knows he shouldn't have picked on you. And he'll never do it again. So that, that's my philosophy on war. Definitely very interesting and definitely seeing like some, you know, the fact that you've gone there, you have certain ideologies with that is it's very interesting. And you said that war should be avoided at all costs. What do you think as a society we can do to not have this anymore? Because honestly, I did not believe that we would get into a physical war in, you know, certain parts of the world. And looking at once again, what's happening in Russia and Ukraine it's quite surprising that we're getting to this point. Do you think there's anything we could do in a diplomatic way that will diminish if even we could say completely mitigate and stop all future wars? Postpone and stop certain of them. I, I think uh, the Ukraine invasion could have been forestalled by uh, a strong response to the threat. Uh, you know, if we drop four or five tank divisions in the Ukraine, uh, which there's several of them in Germany, which would have just trekked across the border. Uh, I think the Russians would have been far less inclined to take on the uh, American military. And we've obviously seen uh, that the Russian war machine is not what it was cranked up to be. Uh, I suspect our intelligence people knew that. So, yeah, I think we could have prevented this one personally. Yeah. I'm not sure we should have. Um, you know, uh, I think it's a European war, and I think Germany and France and Italy and Spain and Belgium and Sweden and Norway and Finland, if they dumped a division each into the Ukraine, the Russians wouldn't have attacked. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not, we can't, we can't be the world's peacekeeper. We can't be the world's, uh, you know, boss. They're not going to let us. They shouldn't. Um, these are independent countries, but neighbors need to cooperate. Uh, we should be cooperating more with our neighbors and European allies should be cooperating with themselves uh, and standing up to bullies. Uh, yeah. That's the easiest way to, to beat a bully is, you know, if he picks on one guy, that's one thing. If he goes to pick on somebody and eight other people stand up beside the guy he's picking on, he walks away. Yeah. So, Charles, I mean, I want to ask you two more questions before we wrap up over here. And my last one, I'm going to bring it back to the entrepreneurial side of things. And I really appreciate everything that you said with the war over here. It's very obvious, obviously, that you are successful with the business that you run and where you brought it. And every single time we talk and do podcasts, we talk about successes, about things and so on. But I love to talk about certain difficulties that you're living through right now within your business or personal life. And how do you go about working on that? problem because I truly believe there's a lot of lessons within the difficulties. So what is something that you're going through within your business right now that you're having a hard time with? And how do you go about thinking about fixing that problem? Well, one of the biggest problems I've had in the business overall was marketing. I thought I could market. 
And here a few years ago, I finally hired a marketing person because I was getting too busy. And within a few weeks, they showed me that I didn't know enough to market my way out of a paper bag. So that was a, a great learning experience to me is that I, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I need to hire the smartest person in the room. And that my skills are in, in, in terms of taxes and employment taxes and dealing with the IRS, I'm a real expert. There's other aspects that I'm not. My operations people don't let me do payrolls anymore. We've got newer software that I'm not familiar with, and I'll just screw it up, okay? Uh, they let me talk to clients, but they don't let me operate the, the payroll system. My operations manager is superb. My marketing manager is superb. My sales guy is superb. My left-hand girl that, that handles my banking and, and uh, moves all the money is superb. I hire great people. That's the key to this and making it work. I, you know, when I was an entrepreneur to start out, I wore all the hats and you can see what it did to my hair. And the people I've that are listening, move- he has no hair. That's why he said that. <laughs> I have no hair. So I have moved those off and learning to delegate has been extremely important. Uh, also, learning to deal with competition and learning to deal with changes in technology. Mm. Um, technology changes all the time and you can't get left behind. So I love that. So essentially it comes down to investing in the people, which I truly believe business is a, it's a people's game. It's a connection game. The more people, you know, the more you respect them, the more you do great by them, the more they will do great by you and your business and your vision and mission. So I love the fact that you mentioned that and the aspect that you have clarity on what are your strengths and what are certain things you need to optimize. So knowing that, Hey, marketing is not necessarily my strong suit, but I get somebody there then they could help me out. So my last question for you, Charles, is really simple is I'm going to kind of give you the red carpet here to tell our audience, what's the best way to get in contact with you, where they could reach out to you, if they have any questions about payroll. And as well, in the beginning, you had mentioned that you wanted to say something about the book. So uh, I'm going to kind of let you talk about all that. Well, anybody can find me at getpayroll.com. We're all over the web. My email is cjr at getpayroll. The number for the office is simple, 972-353-0000. It's the only good thing GTE ever did for me. (laughs) And we we do a lot of videos, both educational and some fun ones. Um, And they're available at uh, youtube.com forward slash get payroll. So, uh, and we've learned one of the things I didn't mention is we've moved into video. We do videos all the time. So there's lots of them out there for people to look at. Please do and subscribe and like the videos. Thank you very much. But on the book, for your listeners, if anybody would like a copy of the payroll book, A Guide for Small Businesses and Startups, I have uh, from the publisher, I have a stack, and we are sending those free to anyone who'd like one. If you will go to the payrollbook.com, it's a specific website for the book, thepayrollbook.com, and enter the discount code podcast. We will ship you a free book. No shipping, no handling, no nothing. We'll put it in a box, put your label on it, and ship it to you. Uh, as, long as, they're, as long as we've got that stack, we're sending them out. When they're gone, they're gone. So if you want one, go to thepayrollbook.com. 
So uh, Charles, first of all, thank you very much for all that. Thank you for offering the uh, the book for free for our, our listeners. Definitely some value over there, as well as just giving us your two cents on business, on how to approach it, how to grow uh, an organization and so on. So it was a true pleasure having you on the show and I'm going to wish you a phenomenal day. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program and don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.